Hallelujah. Amen. Shall we read the word of God, which we'll take from John chapter 3 to 1, reading from verse 1 to 19. John 21, 1 to 19. Shall I please humbly ask us to be on our feet as we read the word of God? Humbly, in the presence of God, as we give honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, before him, before whom we are all gathered. Amen. Amen. Jesus appears to seven disciples. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you would find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because, the quantity, because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land. But about a hundred years off, when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, 
feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This is said to show by what kind of death was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Here ends the reading of the Lord's word. Thanks be to God. Shall we please take our seats? God bless you. Today, the Lord has prepared a very special vessel, a, a, a man, a mighty man of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Very calm, but on fire for the Lord. Hallelujah. He's in the person of Dr. Charles Yeboah. He will bring us the word on Christians have a mission. And I want to thank uh, Reverend Digby, he's not here this morning, and the leadership of the church for the opportunity to share God's word with you today. I don't take this opportunity, and I don't take any opportunity to share God's word for granted. Today is Pentecost. I know we have already experienced some Pentecost fire already uh, in this service. It's Pentecost is the seventh week, as we all know, from Easter, the 50th day since we last celebrated Easter. Christians around the world commemorate this day because it was during Pentecost that the Holy Spirit, as we all know, descended on the disciples and on the apostles in fulfillment of the promise that Jesus made that the Holy Spirit the comforter, and the Christian mission and power enabler will come and propel the church, the new church, to the mission that it has been assigned. The Holy Spirit's mission was and is to empower the church for missions from Jerusalem to the Gentiles and to the entire world. And for more than 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has empowered the church for missions everywhere in the world. And the mission continues as long as we remain in the Holy Spirit's dispensation. This morning, I want to direct our attention to one mission of the church that I consider to be often neglected and overlooked. Where perhaps we have not adequately allow the spirit to lead. It is the area I am calling the internal mission of the church. And I'll be making a case today that the church has mission not only to those that are perishing outside, that the church has a mission to its own members, especially those that we know that we have known to be struggling in their faith. And that the Holy Spirit cares about those people too, as we will find and as we discovered in the passage that was read for us. The Holy Spirit, like Jesus, cares for those that are struggling with their faith. Because the passage was read for us, I'm not going to read it again. But we are all so familiar with the story of Jesus appearing to 
John, uh, sorry, appearing to Peter and the seven other disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. This morning, I want to speak on a theme from struggling faith and despair to renew hope and restoration, an encounter with the risen Lord. From struggling faith and despair to renewed hope and restoration, an encounter with the risen Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you bless the proclamation of your word. Please set me aside and speak to your church, even as we pay attention to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is my thesis statement for this morning. While it is possible and quite easy to become discouraged and develop lukewarm attitude towards Christ and towards our faith, the risen Jesus is always in the business of restoring us back to faith and to hope. The church and its leadership must be interested in restoration as well. Let me repeat my thesis statement again. While it is possible and quite easy to become discouraged and develop lukewarm attitudes towards Christ and towards our faith, the raising Jesus is always in the business of restoring us back to faith and to hope. And the church and its leadership must be interested in saying. The story of John 21, I really call it a story of an internal outreach. It's an internal outreach of Jesus to Peter and disciples that have become confused and perplexed. Let's dive into the text and let's look at some background. We are told that after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. Now, the statement here implies that this was just one of the many occasions, as we know, that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. We know he did appear to them one time after the first Easter um, when Thomas was not there and he had come a second time. Thomas, who had doubted that no, unless he saw you know, himself and, and saw Jesus, like we say in Ghana, feel it, feel it, he will not believe. And so the following week, Jesus comes and he walks straight you know, to Thomas and then Thomas confesses now, I believe Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So again, this is just one of the many occasions that Jesus had appeared to the disciples. What is clear in these passages uh, or in this story is that there has been a change in the way Jesus related to the disciples after the resurrection. It was no longer the case uh, like it was before the crucifixion. Jesus was no longer living with the disciples. He was no longer traveling with them. I like to propose, you know, a reason why this was the case. Why Jesus was no longer living with the disciples after his death. In my view, Jesus was in a transition. The saving work of the cross and the resurrection served as a transition time between his pre-death ministry and his departure to the Father. Therefore, Jesus didn't need to live with the disciples physically 
since he will be leaving them soon. The disciple needed to learn to be on their own and to prepare for continuation of the kingdom mission that Jesus will be assigning them after he left. The work of Jesus after resurrection, after sealing the work of salvation was to equip and build up the disciples for the work ahead. And I like to contend that in this passage, in the passage that we read, John 21, we see that rebuilding, that the building of the preparation for the ministry already underway. Jesus appears to them, we are told, at the Sea of Tiberias. Matthew 28, verse 6 also records an appearance of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples in Tiberias, at the Sea of Galilee. I'm going, I'm going fishing. Peter had told his fellow disciples to which they responded, we'll go with you. Now there have been numerous interpretations um, of the statement, I'm going, I'm going fishing and disciples say we are going with you. But I think the best way to take that statement of Peter is that Peter and the disciples had become uncertain as to what they should do. Remember, as I said earlier, the life and the relationship between Jesus and the disciples had changed drastically, you know, after the resurrection. Jesus was no longer with There was no conversation, constant conversation going on about, okay, what next? What do we do? That teaching, that time with Jesus was no longer there. And the disciples had become somewhat confused. What next? What is going to happen next? And it's also possible, in fact, it is the case that Peter was nursing some real pain and despair in his faith after betraying his master not once, not twice, but three times. The rest of the disciples were not without blame. We all know that they all abandoned him at the time that he needed them the most. The fortitude now to follow Jesus, the enthusiasm now to be a partner, you know, uh, with him in the ministry had gone down drastically. They were confused. I remember this was before Pentecost. And we are told in the passage that night they caught nothing. They fished through the night and had no success. Now whether their motives were good or bad that night, we are told they caught nothing. I wonder what the lesson was for Peter and the disciples. I wonder what was going through their mind. I think Jesus was teaching Peter a lesson. Jesus was teaching Peter and the rest of the disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. Previously with Jesus, you know, he has seen so many miracles. Everything that they did was success. But now without Jesus, they are struggling at sea. I like to suggest that any time we leave the mission God has called us into for another self-generated life purpose, we always led to disappointment and failure. We all know people who have left the faith. 
Many of us, you know, came to church or came to the Christian faith with a lot of friends. Some of them, when we look left and right, we don't see them again. We know people left the faith, sometimes because they were discouraged or felt disappointed by God. Maybe some prayers were not answered. Maybe some expectations were not met. Maybe someone they trusted didn't follow through with his or her promise. And so they left, hoping that it would be better out there. But many of them have discovered it is no better anywhere without Jesus. You remember it was St. Peter who responded to Jesus' question when he saw many people leave his message, uh, his, his message and return to their past life. Jesus asked, don't you also want to leave? To which Peter responded, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have come to believe. And yet here we find him confused, disappointed, and struggling, faith in despair. He decides to go back to his old life. You and I have known people like that. People whose faith you could hardly doubt. People who were on fire for the Lord, who had the real Pentecost fire. The people that we look for today and we can find. Listen, brethren, if Peter, who received the revelation of Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, who made the proclamation, even all the people forsake you, I will not. I am willing to die for you. Indeed, I will die for you. If that Peter could fall, then the words of scripture must be heeded by all of us. Let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Now, Peter, I'm sure, felt bad about having denied his master, having betrayed his master. It hit him. And he decided, what have I got to do now? I have disappointed my master. I have screwed up. I'm no longer worthy of him. So let me just go back into my old trade. But as we know, he found nothing. So there's a lesson that we all can learn from that. Even if we are discouraged, even if we are confused, even if we are disappointed, even if we feel we have failed the Lord, the solution is not to forsake him. The solution is not to wait. The solution is to wait for him to come back and restore it. Because Jesus has always been interested in his people's restoration. There is nothing out there apart from Jesus. There is nothing out there. Now I know money and material things can be very attractive and they, may, they can look very glamorous. But we all know that without Jesus... They are very empty. Because there are so many of us that have experienced material wealth. But the more we get, the more empty. Because we realize that we can always have more, right? 
And that is why when we talk about people, corruption, and stealing money, sometimes you wonder how much more do they want? Money, fame, power, material things don't satisfy. Only Jesus does. Apart from him, there is nothing out there. It is also a reminder that God is and always will be our stay. And that even when we are disappointed, even, even when we have failed him, we cannot forsake him and leave him alone. There is no safer place apart from where Jesus is. And I think the disciples got that very quickly. But you know, brethren, every week that we gather as a church, there are believers whose faith is struggling, who are feeling disappointed and confused. It is possible that even whilst I speak, there's somebody here who has had to come to church because he must come to church. He must come to please somebody. He must come because he can't just stay home. It is Sunday. But you know and he knows that deep down your faith is gone. Your faith is struggling. But you have to come because it's Sunday and everybody expects you to be in church. Some of us come because even in our struggle, we know that somehow we need Jesus and Jesus can help us. And it is good that we come. It is good that we come Sunday after Sunday, even when we feel our faith is struggling, even when we know our faith is gone or dead or has suffered some shipwreck. The good news is that Jesus is always here. That Jesus has always been interested in our restoration. That Jesus has always been interested in our story. And no matter where we are, no matter how, how you know, shipwrecked our faith is, Jesus has always and will always be interested in us. And you know, pastors and deacons, and as we all know, many times our focus of mission is to the outside world. Let's go and make disciples of all nations. Let's go and preach the gospel to those that are perishing. And for 2,000 years, our attention as church has always been focused on those that are outside. And we many times have forgotten that within us is a huge mission field. You know, I was thinking about when we defined members in good standing. And this is not only here at Calvary. Same at Grace Baptist Church. The same at Central Baptist Church, where I used to be. The same with most Baptist churches and Presby churches and Methodist churches. If you have not paid your tithe for six months, if you've not been attending the fellowship meeting for so many months, in some places, even if you are not contributing the, to the funeral dues, 
you could lose your status as a member in good standing. The question that I have for us is this. So when was the last time we saw somebody on, on, on our list who for six months, for a whole year, is not contributing his tithe? When was the last time a church manager or a pastor went to his or her house and said, brother, I just wanted to come and pray for you and, and to ask you questions. Not because you are interested in the money or in the tithes, but because you are deeply interested in how this brother or sister is doing financially. Could there be something that is contributing to why he is not making his contribution? Are we just interested in the money that we collect or we are interested also in the way our members are faring out there in this difficult world? The church has a mission to its own people. When was the last time we saw that a member had not attended fellowship for a long time and we went after him. We went after her. You know what we used to do in our churches? If a brother committed sin, you remember those days? I'm sure we've, we've stopped doing that now. We came and we published names and we told those who had, you know, had a child out of wedlock, who had become pregnant, and the church has communicated the member. And the member left, some went and came back. Some never reappeared. And the church forgot about them. Jesus did not forget about Peter. Jesus pursued Peter. And he did it knowing full well that he had betrayed him. And Jesus was aware that Sunday the disciples and Peter had gone back into their trade. They had become so confused that they had left him and now it appears they were no longer interested in him. And Jesus, you know, thinking, you may not be interested in me, you may have abandoned me, but I'm still interested in you. Is that the attitude of the church today? I want to contend, brothers and sisters, that restoration has always been a dominant theme of the church. From Genesis to Revelation. From the time God reached out to Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden. To the many stories we read in, Genesis, in, the, in the Old Testament about God pursuing his people Israel. To this story about Peter. Today, we're about to go to the Lord's Supper. And this is an eternal, 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 you know, reminder that God has always been interested in the restoration of his people. And this morning, when we have an opportunity to come here, it is once again an invitation from the Lord himself 
to say no matter where you are at in your faith, no matter where you think you have gone, you may have gone and you may just be sitting here, it could be just your body. But because Jesus is interested in you and he's interested in your restoration, he invites you today to the table. He has always been interested in those that are struggling. He came, he said, not for those you know, that are clean, but for those that are sick. And if the sick people are, always, are also in the church, then Jesus is interested in them as well, isn't he? I guess what I'm trying to say is that it is important that we understand and that we develop a strong mission towards our own members. When you go to Grace Baptist, when you go to Central Baptist, when you come to Calvary and you look at all the people that once attended the church, now some have moved on to other churches, so they still continue to pursue the faith. But there are so many that came and left, and nobody cared about them. Because often the attitude has been, we can always go out there and bring more people in. So some come in, and some go out. Some come in, and those that are in, go out. And that has been the story, not just of Calvary, not just, not of our Baptist church, so it's the story of many churches. Because the church has no outreach mission to its own members. This morning, I want to challenge us to rethink our mission focus. To think about those that are one of us. Those that once fellowship with us. Those that once went to the Lord's table with us. Those that used to come to fellowship. Those who used to pay their tithe so faithfully that we have lost interest in. It is time that the church now shifts its mission also to those that are perishing within. And that we develop the character of Jesus towards those that are living the faith. You know, it's interesting that in the story that we read, it ends with the statement that there was coming a day that somebody would direct, I'm just paraphrasing to where you ought to go, right? It was a story as was interpreted by the writer about how John and Peter was going to die. Jesus saw potential in Peter, even though he failed him. Jesus saw potential in the disciples, even though they had failed. I think it is high time that we begin to look beyond what people have done and see potential. We see the Peters in them. Because, listen, if Jesus had not gone to the Sea of Tiberias that day, if Jesus had not encountered Peter at the Sea of Tiberias, Peter would have not been the spokesperson at Pentecost. It was because Jesus was interested in Peter, even when Peter had lost interest in his master. I pray that we develop the same kind of attitude. Let me move quickly to the conversation that happened after the breakfast. 
We are told that three times Jesus asked Peter, Simon Peter, do you love me? And we all know that three times Peter had betrayed his Lord. Jesus is a master teacher, isn't he? So Jesus comes to Peter and he made sure that just as Peter betrayed him three times, that three times he has had the opportunity to be restored back, you know, to him. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Tend my sheep. Simon Peter, do you really love me? And the scripture says, Peter was saddened. I propose there are two reasons why Peter was sad. One, obviously, it reminded him that three times he had betrayed his master. So quickly, that came to Peter. I've just now gotten the rationale behind these three-time questions of Peter, do you love me? But I also think the reason why Peter was sad is because that Peter truly loved the Lord. And that even though he betrayed him, it is not really something that he really wanted to do. Now here there was a mixture of love and just failure. And you know that there are many times that people have, you know, fallen. People have, you know, gone out, you know, of the church or failed the Lord. And it's not because they really have. Of course, there are people in the church. You know, that's some that behave as if they've never been converted. But it's not always the case. That there are people that struggle. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And they love the Lord. But they are not able to withstand temptations. And Jesus understands that. And that is why in the midst of that he comes to Peter. And gives Peter the opportunity to be restored. Three times Peter denies the Lord. Three times Jesus gives Peter the opportunity for restoration. How interested are we? When was the last time the church organized? And I know we do visitation, right? But many times the visitation goes to members in active service. When was the last time we went through the church and said, hmm, this brother has not been in church for six months. But he's been gone for two years. I wonder where he is. I wonder what has become of him. Or those that we know, and there are some that just commit some sin, in their view, unpardonable sin. And because they know what people might say and the gossips, you know, that may happen in church, they just decide to go out of the church quietly. And then sometimes we get to know, oh, uh, Mary, or Kwesimenu, He's, oh, you know what she did? She just had a baby with somebody. And that's why she's not coming. 
Oh, okay, okay. Then I, then I get it, I understand. I get it why he's not coming. That's Mary. That's Kofi Menno. All those that have lost their faith or left the church, do they need the love of Christ? The church has a mission. But I also want to say to all of us that God is interested in you this morning. He's interested in all of us. There are times that some of us, you know, feel so disappointed. Somebody in church has offended us. You know, there's something that we have prayed for. It has not, you know, come through. Yes, we don't always get it, you know, the way that we want, even in church. But God is interested in you. And this morning, I want to tell you that if you are at that point in your life where you are struggling, Jesus is interested in you. He is here this morning. And he is speaking through me and through the story of Peter's restoration. And he's saying, don't mind the attitude of people that may stand strong in faith, that disregard you because you are struggling. I am interested in you. Here is how an American pastor, you know, puts it. Weighed down by a burden of sorrow, oppressed by temptation within, the darkness of night overtook me. I wandered alone, far from him. Unworthy, I felt to approach him, yet longed for his friendship again. But how could he love one whose grief him betrayed him so much and caused him such anguish and pain? I tried to forget him by turning my eyes to the pleasures around the world. But found they were hollow and worthless. My soul no true happiness found. Too lost in my own self to notice the master was there all the time, following me close through the darkness. His footsteps were planted by mine. I suddenly heard the soft footstep and looked up to see his face, great longing and love and forgiveness, such tenderness and infinite grace. Forgotten were things closed behind me, forgotten were things closed behind me in the light of his love, they, they grew them. Instead of the dark came the daybreak. And in place of a bleak nothingness was him. New day followed quickly the dawning, dispelling the gloom of the night. My hand clasped in that of the master as we journeyed toward the new light. Yes, brethren, we can follow the apostle Peter. The man who denied his Lord, his master, three times through the darkness of despair and struggling faith, into the dawning of a new hope and restoration. Jesus is here this morning. And as we approach his table today, let all those who are struggling in faith remember, he is so interested in you and in your salvation. As we approach the Lord's table today, let all of us that are standing strong remember that we have a mission to those that are struggling. 
Because Jesus is interested in them. And we ought to be interested like Jesus. This morning, come to the Lord's table with a new hope. And no matter where you find yourself, please understand that Jesus is interested in you. As I pray, my invitation this morning goes to those first who have not experienced this Jesus. This Jesus who never gives up on you. This Jesus that has always been interested in you. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, you can come to Jesus. He is interested in you. You can invite him into your life and he will come and reside with you and give you salvation, eternal hope in God. I invite you to come. But this morning, the invitation is offered for those that have once received Jesus. But you know you are struggling. You know your faith has suffered some shipwreck. That you come to church because you feel you have to. I also want to tell you Jesus is interested in you. And he is here and interested in your restoration. This morning, my invitation also goes to all of us church leaders and people that are standing strong. That we have a mission. A mission towards those that are weak. A mission towards those that are struggling. And as we dine with the Lord today, let's not just think only about the healing that comes through this. Let's think and partake in the mission of Christ. The mission to restore all people to him. Even those that we know are struggling in their faith. Would you bow your head with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? And speak to the Lord about where you are and ask him to help you. If you don't know him, invitation will be made out to you. Invitation already extended to you. Receive Jesus today. He's interested in you. If you are struggling, he's interested in you. And as a church, we have a mission to our people. Father, we thank you for Jesus and the example that he shows. We pray, Father, that his example will be our example. That we too, henceforth and always, will show interest in those that are struggling. Those that are perishing, yes, outside of the church. And those that are struggling within the church. That it will be our mission, we pray, that your spirit will rekindle us anew for a new mission field. A new mission field within the church. May our eyes see. May our ears hear. And may you quicken our steps towards that mission. We have prayed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's go. Let's go.